Hello and welcome to Weird Things and Wine, the show where we sip wine and talk about all things weird. My name is Tash. And my name's Mia. And today we will be talking about the year 2020. Shall we jump right into it? Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. 2020 has been called many things, a circus, a horror movie, and a dumpster fire, to name a few. (laughs) To say it's been a crazy year is an understatement. Between murder hornets, the fear of an alien invasion, and even a new Mothman sighting, there hasn't been a pause on the wheel of misfortune. Tonight, we're going to dive into some of the weirdest things that happened this year, as well as some more positive and less acknowledged events. Let's talk about it. What an interesting time (laughs) this has been. (laughs) We're not going to talk about the obvious things that are happening in the world. Reason being is because you probably know about it by now, and if you don't, you can just Google it. Yeah. You'll figure it out. (laughs) you don't know about it now, you're actively avoiding it, and I applaud you for that. Yeah, really. (laughs) Just blacking it out. Yeah. (laughs) Disclaimer, if you hear grumbling in the background, that's just a dog talking. He's very talkative. He really is our guest star tonight. I think so. He's making a special appearance. So I thought we could start off by talking about some of the predictions that the past humans of the past had for 2020. So 2020 was the year that everything, everything was supposed to be electronic and you were supposed to have flying cars and robots. So some of the predictions were animals will be our chauffeurs, maids, and gardeners. I don't know how that one was supposed to work. I feel like we've progressed in a better direction than when this uh, prediction was probably made. Yeah. Good job, humanity. Um, We were also supposed to have helicopters instead of cars. Interestingly enough, our houses were also supposed to be able to fly. That's crazy. Oh my goodness. Helicopters (laughs) and flying houses, it kind of seems unnecessary. Can you imagine? Computers were supposed to be in everything from contacts to couches. That's not far off. No, there are some computers in contacts, just there's only like a handful of prototypes. Oh, this one's cool. Nanobots will deliver nutrients through our bodies, eliminating the need for food. I could go for that one. Yeah, like if you were able to eat just cookies and like potato chips and then nanobots would deliver salads into your bloodstream. I could go for that. That would be perfect. (laughs) Also, predictions were that we'd only have one toe. That is so stupid. I don't want one toe. (laughs) I have to have any toes. I want all ten of them. (laughs) Also, we'll have telepathy and teleportation. Again, we wouldn't need helicopters as cars then. Or a flying house. (laughs) The flying house just is weird. (laughs) Um, Oh, here's an interesting one. The alphabet won't contain the letters C, X, or Q because they're unnecessary. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, I guess they're unnecessary, because K could replace C, and KS could replace X, and who needs Q? I mean, how many words are there really with the letter Q in it? There can't be that many. None that we need. Quora, quote. That's about it. That's all I can think of. Um, They also predicted that there would be no more coffee, tea, or tobacco. Okay, well, that's clearly wrong. That's never happening. I just spent $100 on tea the other day. (laughs) Definitely not happening. Yeah. (laughs) Do not get rid of my coffee or tea, please. (laughs) Tobacco's on the way out. Okay, so they were right, I guess, with tobacco then. Yeah. They also predicted no more paper, including books, which hasn't happened yet, and I hope it never does, because I I have a collection. There's something about touching paper. It's so special. Yeah. I will never move to an electronic book. It's not the same. No. Oh my gosh. It's like so much more convenient and I get that, but like, no. Give me books or give me death. (laughs) 
All right, shall we move into some of the craziest events of 2020? Some of the real things that happened this year? I guess we better. Shall we start with murder hornets? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, in early May, there were reports of Asian giant hornets, better known as murder hornets, seen in Washington and on Vancouver Island. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Ugh. These insects are native to Asia, um, and they're also the largest species of hornet, reaching up to 4 centimeters or 1.5 inches in that size. That is huge. Some people think that they came over on, like, cargo shipments. That's what I was gonna say. So, the nickname, Murder Hornet, is pretty scary, but the reason that they're named this is for the way that they kill honeybees. Oh, no! I didn't know that! Yeah, so a lot of the concern with them being here and an invasive species is that our fragile, unstable honeybee Honey. population will be like from mm. more at risk. So that was a concern, but most people were more concerned with dying from one of these stings, which is mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. Their stingers are a quarter of an inch long, and they're incredibly painful, and they can even go through protective clothing. Kind of scary. Uh-huh. Not loving that piece of information there. Not only that, but they can sting multiple times. I think most bees can just, like, sting once and then they'll die, right? Yeah, well, they lose their stinger, oh, I think. That doesn't happen with these ones. Up to 50 people a year die in Japan due to these stings. Oh, that's really sad. That's, like, oh my goodness. a significant amount of people. Yeah. Luckily, nothing <laughs> happened. Yeah. That I can recall, at least. These reports of these bees kind of just faded out, although the initial panic made it seem like it was the end of times. Honestly... The ball had just started rolling for that one thing that we're not going to mention at, like, the end of March. Yeah. And then this happened. And we're like, the end of- it's the end of the world. It's here. Everything yeah. is coming crashing down. And cicadas are going to erupt out of the ground. Everything's awful. <laughs> I tried to research the cicadas because I was going to write that out. <laughs> My skin was crawling. Oh, and no. I was just like, I can't do this. <laughs> there are so many, like, locust swarms. Yeah, and they're- like, oh, I can't imagine, like, being in the middle of one of those. In the... Okay, let's move on. Let's move We're on. We're gonna move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Zodiac Cipher. In early December, a team of three codebreakers finally cracked one of the ciphers that the Zodiac Killer sent to the media. And there was four ciphers, I believe, that were confirmed to be from this killer. One of them had been solved previously, and this is the second one that has been solved in the 51 years since this happened. So there's two left. The team of three are David Orinchak, a software developer, Jarl Van Eyck, a computer programmer, <laughs> and Sam Blake, a mathematician. Wow, all of those jobs are impressive on their own. <laughs> I think they've been doing it since 2006, so 14 oh years. Oh my gosh, it took them 14 years? Yeah. I mean, it's been 50 years and people have been trying to solve it since then and nobody has. That's, that's actually a very good point. So, if you don't know, the Zodiac Killer is thought to have killed at least five people, but claims to have killed more than 30 in California in the late 60s. This is one of those investigations that, for me at least, the more I learned, the more my skin crawled. Because some of the things that are the techniques that he employed or the sightings, like, just are really terrifying. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on this guy. We kind of maybe should in we, the future we probably will let us know <laughs> no. let us know if you want to see our email is weirdthingsinline at gmail.com yeah this one's crazy he was like pretty obsessed with the media attention i think that was the main reason people think that he went on this spree 
wanting the attention and also being crazy. He just seemed to always be one step ahead. And yeah, crazy, I think, was probably a factor in that. Yeah. <laughs> so the cipher that they cracked was the 340 cipher, and it reads, with no punctuation, I hope you were having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner, because I now have enough slaves to work for me when everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death, I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. Paradise is spelled wrong, with a C instead of an S, which is interesting. Could you imagine how difficult that would make cracking the cipher? Right? That's ridiculous. There's actually a lot of misspellings in the ciphers, which is mm-hmm. weird because if you're smart enough to create an almost uncrackable cipher, why are you misspelling words? Yeah. Do you think that could be something that he was just doing to create his persona? Could be. This um, cipher refers to a call placed into a TV show at the time that was claiming to be the killer. People are nuts. People do that. That's crazy. I don't understand. Like, what goes through someone's mind when they do stuff like that? I mean, really. Yeah. Unfortunately, cracking the cipher doesn't tell us too much that we didn't already know, but it does give hope that the remaining two ciphers will be cracked. And apparently, the Zodiac Killer said that if these ciphers are solved, then his identity will be revealed. I don't know that I believe that, though. I don't know, people like this want to be recognized for what they've done, but if he's still alive, he wouldn't. I sort of imagine that this cipher, he expected it to be solved sooner than it was, so that he would just keep sending more and more until eventually, after, you know, a lengthy period of time, they'd all be solved, and his identity would be revealed at the end of his, whatever he decides to be the end. There are theories that he was part of a cult. He mentions that there will be slaves waiting for him in the afterlife, probably because he killed people. Yeah, that was his whole, or people infer that that was his whole reason to kill people, so that he can collect his slaves for the afterlife. I don't think I know of anything that suggests that there will be slaves in the afterlife, or that you can somehow control people's souls, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's what you're wild. doing. Yeah, I don't understand that. So this guy was was weird. <laughs> he was a lunatic. <laughs> Next up, shall we talk about the monoliths? I am so excited to talk about this. So the first one was placed in Utah, and it's suspected to have been placed between August 2015 and October 2016, and it's kind of in like the middle of nowhere where nobody really goes. Yeah. This is not like a new thing. No, it's been there for like at least five years. And we know this because of Google Earth satellite images. It wasn't found until November 18th of 2020 during a helicopter survey of the wild sheep in the area. That's interesting that no one found it on Google Maps before that point in time. It's weird, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So this monolith was about 3 meters or 10 feet in height. The three sides were 58 centimeters or 23 inches wide. That is huge. It's big. Yeah. For some reason, I couldn't find what exactly it was made out of, but it's thought to have been made out of aluminum or stainless steel, and it has an hollow inside, and because of the sound that it made when it was knocked against, it's thought to have also been insulated. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that anyone touched it. I don't know why. I just assumed that everyone was like, oh my gosh, don't touch it. (laughs) So, of course... In the year of 2020, this monolith's kind of spurred ideas of aliens. I mean, anything's possible, really. Yeah, people thought it could be like a satellite beacon or like sending Wi-Fi signals to the aliens. 
opening up a portal, any matter of things people came up with theories for why this was aliens. So on November 27th, it was removed in the dead of night by four local men. Witnesses say that they pushed it over and kind of dismantled it, which is a bold move if it was aliens. Like, don't Mm -hmm. do that. Don't touch it. Also, how would you... I mean, dismantle it sounds like you have to have some prior knowledge of how it's put together. That's what I was thinking. Dismantling is not, let's just, like, crinkle this and, like, rip this and think this screwdriver fits here. It's, you know, like, calculated. Yeah, I thought that too. So witnesses say that they saw them push it over and that others saw them leaving in a truck with Mm. this thing in pieces in the back. And later, these four men released a 23-second video onto their YouTube channel and social medias. It was dismantled. Like, it looked really weird. It was in pieces, right? Like, it was sort like of? one side was taken off and you yeah. could kind of see inside. Yeah, and there's something, like a brick or something it looked like inside. I'm sure it was not a brick. It's probably an alien device. Probably. They should have just left it there. Absolutely. I think everything that they did here, if this was in fact their creation, it feels like they knew exactly what to do to put the world into like a frenzy. Yeah, that's what I thought. But two of the men are Andy Lewis and Sylvan Christensen, and they're known for posting videos of extreme sports onto YouTube, like um, base jumping and slacklining. There was a bit of backlash surrounding this video. People in the comments were like, why did you do that? Like, we had a little bit of joy in 2020. Why would you take it away? Yeah, why would you ruin it for the rest of us? (laughs) Yeah, so they came out with a statement and posted on Instagram and said, we removed the Utah monolith because there are clear precedents for how we share and standardize the use of public lands, natural wildlife, native plants, fresh water sources, and human impacts among them. The mystery was the infatuation, and we want to use this time to unite people behind the real issues here. We are losing our public lands. Things like this don't help. That's quite the message. Yeah, it kind of refers to the fact that because of this monolith put there, people kind of flocked to the area, which was generally in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't really get to it easily. And it, from what I understood, took a long time. Like, it's a long trek there. Yeah, and they left litter around it. They, like, there was no public toilets. There's cars Mm -hmm. in the area. And that was just, it wasn't good for the environment. And I feel like it wasn't up to them unless they had put it out there to begin with, which I don't think they would because of their statement. And I think they yeah. would have admitted it in the statement to kind of protect themselves from yeah. this backlash. So I don't think that they put it up. I don't know how they figured out how to dismantle it, and I don't know why they took it upon themselves to do so. I do understand their reasoning, though. Yeah, definitely. They have some valid points here. Yeah. There's just unanswered questions. <laughs> Because now people are still checking to the spot to see where the Utah monolith was. Like, it hasn't stopped anything. No, if anything, it probably has created more now. Because, yeah. like, I would at least imagine, well, there's one here, so there must be more, right? Yeah. Regardless of who put it up there, there must be more hidden around. Yeah, so after about a month, these guys gave the monolith to the Bureau of Land Management. And in the weeks after this discovery and subsequent um, removal of this monolith, over 140 similar monoliths were found all over the world. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Do you want to know something crazy? What? We have one. I know. Right? <laughs> okay, we need to talk about this. There's one in our hometown. Literally, I'm looking at the picture you sent me. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's literally just there, like in the middle of the place. Okay, so it's actually kind of ridiculous. And it's not obvious really partially because there is snow here i discovered it on december 24th 
There are other reports to say that it was actually here the week prior to the 24th. Is it still there? <laughs> you walked past it. Like, well, you I know, right but it. I also walked past it every single day for at least a week before I noticed that it was there. Are you serious? Yes. Okay, reasons. Let's talk about the reasons okay. here. <laughs> Number one, it's shiny and reflective. It just blends in with the white snow, right? I'm not calling you out. I feel like I need to defend myself. (laughs) In addition to it standing there, you know, and the scenery, it is also like right in front of a pole. So I would naturally just expect there to be already like a pole in the way. It's like up against a pole, but I don't think, I don't think that was for support. I think that was just where it was placed. By the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. These are first grade aliens. These are the ones that are just learning. Yeah, um, what's it made out of? Tinfoil. I thought so. Not tinfoil, though. Some sort of tinfoil-like material. I don't know what it is, but it's like tinfoil. Like the tinfoil that they found at Roswell? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, like, embedded into the ground. It kind of looks like you could just push it over. (laughs) Did you touch it? Why didn't you touch it? I had to go back to work. (laughs) You can clearly see, though, this one has a line where it meets the ground. Oh, yeah. It's not not in the ground. No. And it's made out of tinfoil. It's our bush monolith. It's disappointing. I know. So, like this monolith that happens to be in our hometown for some reason, (laughs) they all had differences from each other. They weren't like the Utah monolith. Some of them had, like, engravings, or one of them was gold, some of them were smaller. Mm -hmm. They were all different, so they obviously weren't created, or theoretically, they weren't created by the same person or group of people. Unless. Unless. (laughs) Different species of aliens trying to stake their claim. It's like when, when you go to the moon and place a flag on the moon, that's what they're doing to Earth. Okay, that's not where I was going with that, but like, dang. (laughs) I was gonna say, unless every single piece contains a key to opening the puzzle, which is another gate to another dimension, and you need to have all of them all across the world, because, you know, maybe this place has more like Lithuanism, that's not a thing. More like calcium in the sand or the dirt, and this place has more like crystal and oxybenzonite, you know, that's totally like... (laughs) Um, other theories besides aliens that could have created this monolith. This installation looks like art pieces created by an artist named John McCracken who died in 2011. He had a really similar art style to this. And before his death, he expressed a wish to have an arts installation in remote areas to be found later, kind of like in the middle of the desert. Oh, dang. Yeah, so that's a theory. Maybe somebody was inspired by this man, or maybe one of his relatives put it out there after his death. It's been a few years. It's been nine years since his death, and it's been out there for five years, so who knows? Yeah, really. Maybe this was some sort of project. Totally not, but this could have been a project, you know, for astronauts. Definitely not, though. It could be, though. (laughs) You can't see that from space, but, like... Uh, You can't, but, like, maybe you can. We don't know what technology we have. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) This is true. There's also theories that it could have been a promo for something, like a movie or a video game, but obviously nothing has been released, and nothing was released, really, in 2020, so probably not. That would be one of the most brilliant ways to go about it, though. Yeah, start a global phenomenon. Yeah, really. (laughs) People would be so mad, though. I think so, because this gives so much hope to everyone. This was a fun part of 2020. Mm -hmm. I like this part. I kind of think that it could be, like, the new crop circle. 
you know, like... I love that. (laughs) Maybe the original one was something kind of weird, and then everybody kind of caught on to it and started replicating it and Mm -hmm. hoaxing it, kind of like crop circles. Aliens. Definitely aliens. Definitely aliens. And you know what? Our uh, reasons for aliens existing is going to tie right in to our next topic. That was a brilliant segue, and I loved it. (laughs) UFO disclosure. That happened this year. This is crazy. This is wild, and it's not talked about enough. Mm -mm. I feel like we're all just so tired from the year that this year has been, you know? Yeah, I think so too. On April 25th, the Pentagon released three short videos confirming UFOs. These videos had all been released previously, but they're just now being confirmed as unconfirmed. (laughs) I'm so sorry, can you elaborate on that? (laughs) So what I mean by that note, I think... Basically, the government is coming out and saying, yeah, these are confirmed. We don't know what they are. They're finally admitting to them, to their existence. They're acknowledging them. Big deal. Which is crazy. I don't think they've ever acknowledged before that these are real. They've always been like, oh, it must be some sort of, like, weather balloon. balloon. Yeah, weather balloon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A Pentagon spokesperson named Sue Gao, I think that's how you say her name. It might be Go. She said... After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems, and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. Wow, that was a mouthful. Yeah, so basically by that, I think that they mean that they're only releasing it because it doesn't really affect what they're doing, and it doesn't interfere, and it doesn't actually confirm anything. These pictures aren't the most exciting, but they're very unexplainable. Yeah, they kind of just look like a little tic-tac flying through the sky. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how they were described, like, actually, not just by me. I love that. So, one of the now-retired pilots who saw the UFO said, As I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south, and it disappeared in less than two seconds. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping-pong ball bouncing off a wall. It would hit and then go the other way. Ooh, that's a hot take. Yeah, so their movements were, like, super erratic and super, like, quick. So that's wild. So there's no explanation for that, because nothing really in the known universe moves like that. Yeah. Without some obvious sign of force. Yeah, it's bizarre. So the government does know about UFOs, mm-hmm. and they do acknowledge that they exist, which is... Finally. Crazy. Yeah. Not only that, but on December 8th, it was revealed that the former head of Israel's defense military... Hayam Eshed claimed that aliens exist, and not only that, but they were in contact with the government, and that there is a galactic federation with underground bases on Mars, and on these bases live aliens and humans. So, this man, Hayim Eshed, he was in the position of the head of Israel's defense military for yeah. 30 years. Oh my goodness. So he's like pretty reputable, right? Mm-hmm. Well respected. Yeah. Um, He did say that we are not a part of this Galactic Federation group because we just don't qualify. Well. Which is fair. Yeah. (laughs) We're not there yet. But that we are in communication with them. He said, specifically, There is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. It's so interesting that everything has to do with the U.S. government and not, like, the Russian government or, like, the Chinese government. It is weird. Why isn't he talking about his government? Is it because it's a better story with the U.S. or is it because that's just how it is? Or is that um, the scapegoat? 
It's also weird that when he talks about, they signed a contract with us to do experiments here, but he's talking about the U.S. government, Israel's former head of defense. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. This guy isn't the only one who has made claims like this. Specifically, more concerning to us as Canadians. Yeah. Our former defense minister, Paul Hellyer, has claimed that aliens have visited Earth and that the U.S. government, again, is in contact with them. He also claimed to have seen a UFO himself. What do you think of the Galactic Federation? Do you think it exists? Yes. Yeah? Do you think mm-hmm. they're on Mars? I don't know why they couldn't be on Mars. Also, I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. We breathe oxygen, right? What if some species b- breathe, like, calcium, or some species breathe hydrogen? What if a law of the universe that we are unaware of is that every species breathes and survives on something different and thus cannot leave their home planet I absolutely believe that. Yeah. Like, there's no reason why different species can't be built or their anatomy can't be attuned to certain ways of living like that. There's no way that we can deny that that could exist. Yeah. We always say life as we know it can't exist. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, aliens could exist in lava. We can't exist in lava, but life as we don't know it could exist in lava. There are microbiodes that exist in lava. Like, there's species of bacteria that can exist there. We just had to look hard enough to find it. And we had to change our ways of looking to find it. This is what we talked about in, like, Nessie's episode. What we're looking for might not be what we're, or, like, how our methods of looking for it are attuned to finding. Like, you have to broaden your thinking. Yeah. I believe life exists, it just doesn't have to exist the way that we see it as. Life Mm -hmm. does exist. Mm -hmm. On other planets is what I meant. (laughs) Okay, our last one. So, obviously, we know the Mothman was originally seen in West Virginia in Point Pleasant, but it's also been sighted in Chicago. If you don't know more about the Mothman, he was a creature spotted in Point Pleasant in the late 60s. Sightings of this creature kind of stopped on December 1967 when a local bridge collapsed and killed 48 people. Oh my goodness. So because of this, this creature is kind of seen as either a bringer of doom or as a warning. I think I'd like to see him more as a warning. I agree. Sightings of this cryptid in Chicago reached back to 2011 and reached a peak in 2017. Oh. Most recently, in 2020, it was sighted again on September 24th. In the 2020 circus, my boy is making a comeback. (laughs) Specifically, this sighting was by a USPS worker, and she saw this creature at the O'Hare Airport in Chicago. So this woman had been with the Postal Service for 15 years, so she's also pretty reputable, right? So I'm just going to read you her statement. She said, I had just left work at the USPS sorting facility at O'Hare Airport at about 11 p.m. on Thursday the 24th of September and was walking out to my car when I saw something standing at the far end of the parking lot where I usually park. At first I thought it was a very tall person with a long coat. As I got closer to my car, I unlocked my car, which caused the headlights to come on. The headlights hit the person standing about 20 to 25 feet from my car, causing it to turn and look right at me. I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed creature. (laughs) And what appeared to be a coat was actually wings, which spread out as it turned to look at me. At first, I thought it was some kind of very, very large bird, but I hadn't never seen any bird that stood almost 7 feet tall. I'm 5'4", and this thing looked taller than me by at least 2 feet. 
This thing then started making some type of chirping sound, almost like a half chirp and half click, like someone was clicking their tongue, but much, much faster. It then made some type of screeching sound and took off running toward me. It got to within 10 feet of me and took off into the air and flew above me. That is horrifying. Oh my goodness. Oh man, and how it's so aggressive. Was it trying to scare her? Was it going to attack her? Like, it flew right at her. Scary. I I would imagine at some point it would have tried to attack. I believe her. Yeah. I wish she would have, like, said what happened after. I would imagine she did. I just didn't think it was interesting. So she Um, probably ran into her car then and sped off. Yeah, essentially. She sped off and went home. Why would she go home after that? Where else are you supposed to go? To a hotel. If someone is following (laughs) you, you don't go home. I mean, it's a Mothman. But he's flying. You don't think he could circle around your vehicle as you're driving away? Man, I would have gone to a hotel. If I was Mothman, theoretically an interdimensional creature, or perhaps (laughs) just an animal hybrid, why would he want to hurt her? She wasn't doing anything. She didn't attack him. She wasn't, like, being mean. Well, I mean, that's kind of like the same idea as sharks. Like, why do sharks attack? Because you're either in their feeding ground or their young are nearby. They don't have unprovoked attacks. That's true. But sometimes the reasoning behind it isn't clear. Yeah, so maybe she was in his, like, area. But... A lot of people would be in his area if his area um, is, is the, the airport. airport. <laughs> yeah, Mothman of Chicago. Probably find a new area. Sorry. Yeah, that's not a good place to no. be. No. <laughs> Unless something bad is going to happen there. The thing is, though, if something happens 50 years from now, it's going to be attributed to Mothman. I think so. I don't know. We have to do a whole episode on Mothman. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. There is so much to unpack. Okay, so those are some of the most interesting events of 2020, as I thought. Just a few, because there's a lot of stuff that's happened in 2020, and we don't have enough time to talk about every single thing. No. (laughs) There's a lot. Um, Let's move on to some of the reasons why this year was the way that it was. Theory time. The first one, and also the most boring, is the... (laughs) (laughs) Gonna get that out of the way. It's the hive mind slash nostalgia bias slash rosy retrospection theory. So, that basically means that we think that this year is the worst year ever because we tend to remember only the good things about previous years. I mean, sure. I definitely remember some pretty awful things that happened in my years prior. Yeah. But we're inside more, which means we have more time to ruminate on things, and we tend to miss going out to bars with our friends, or Mm. the fair that didn't happen this year, Mm. or, you know. Trips that didn't happen this year. Yeah. Things like that. We tend to, like, we're especially this year missing these things that haven't happened. Research also says that we judge the present more harshly because we're in it. That's reasonable. And um, due to social media and the increased time spent on there, ideas are more catching, specifically this year. So somebody will post something that says, oh, I wish that 2020 never happened. Yeah, 2020 is the worst. It's a dumpster fire of a year. (laughs) Throw it all out. Everything sucks. And then somebody will retweet that because it's kind of funny, but also (laughs) doomsday, you know, and then it'll just keep building and building everyone will get on the bandwagon and yeah hmm. and eventually it'll just be everywhere and it's hard to find the good in the world when we wake up in the morning and check our phones and we're bombarded with all these crazy events that happened this year and we have more time Mm. to pay attention to them because we're stuck inside because of unfortunate events correct (laughs) (laughs) so that could be why 
it's not a very happy theory and it's not very interesting, so we don't really need to talk about yeah, it anymore. Yeah, I think, can we move on? Yeah, this? let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about astronomy. This year could have been crazy because it was leading up to not only the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, but also the end of the Age of Pisces going into the Age of Aquarius. Ooh. And these two events happen to coincide with each other, according to some experts. Oh. So, on December 21st, the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction was supposed to happen, and this is when the two planets appear to overlap each other in the sky. Now, the 21st of December also happens to be the winter solstice, and supposedly on this day each year, the veil between dimensions becomes thinner. That means like the spirit world, as well as different dimensions, becomes a little bit closer to us than mm-hmm. it normally is, right? Yeah, so I'm not endorsing this as fact. <laughs> However, some suggest that, especially back in the day, the solstice in general, summer, winter, whenever, was thought of so much because it was an opportunity to appease whatever is coming through this gateway or right. whatever can see you through this veil so that you know you have a good months ahead and no one comes in and murders you or curses you or meant as an appeasement yeah that combined with the conjunction and also the age of aquarius there is a lot wow there's a lot going on on the 21st oh <laughs> yeah. my goodness So the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction happens every 20 years, roughly, but the last time it was actually visible to us in the sky because of the uh, position of the planets was in the year 1226. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Some people believe that one of these visible uh, conjunctions was the Christmas star, which was in the sky the night Jesus was born, theoretically. But that thought also kind of believes some people to believe that that means that Jesus is going to make a comeback on this day. Wow! Okay. So the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. I don't know what that means. Like, I I tried to figure out what the stuff meant, but I'm not really into astrology. And oh my goodness, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I cannot help you at all. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I know I'm a Pisces, so I'm kind of sad that my age is done and I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> You're right. That's terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is it like a span of years? Yeah. There are vastly differing opinions as to how long the age of Pisces and the age of Aquarius and so on lasts. Automatically, that's a great sign. Yeah, some some people say each age lasts around 2,000 years, um, 2,170 years, which is like a lot more specific. Some people say 200 years. The end of an age and going into the age of Aquarius is supposed to make the world more peaceful and it means that a lot of secrets, like government secrets, will be exposed, which is interesting because a disclosure did happen this year. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but didn't that happen in September? <laughs> they misspelled December. They both have ember at the end, okay? I think the reason that this December 21st crazy astrological astronomical theory is like a thing is because the events of this year was supposed to be kind of like the build up to it. Nothing oh, happened on December 21st. No. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Some people believe that the coinciding of the winter solstice, the conjunction, and the end of an age and the beginning of a new age means that we're moving into the fifth spiritual dimension. That sounds cool. It is interesting. 
Currently, we're in third dimension consciousness, so we're just going to skip the whole fourth dimension and go straight into the fifth dimension, according to that this theory. That dangerous. Wow. Right? So being in third dimension consciousness means that we're limited. The lower dimensions are where the negative spirits reside, like demons and negative entities, Okay. essentially. Uh, and by moving into a fifth dimension consciousness, we further remove ourselves from these entities, allowing ourselves to theoretically grow. Interesting. So it's like a higher level of... Yeah. It's like the next stage in humans' evolution. It also means that we'll be more connected as a species, achieving a global oneness. I mean, there are more bills signed to like lower carbon emissions and good things (laughs) to help the planet more and more. Locations around the world are signing bills like that. Could be a symptom of this. A symptom? You might be able to see effects in yourself of the world moving into this higher dimension. Some of the signs are a decreased or increased appetite, one or the other, headaches, stomach aches, body pain, a bad mood, lack of motivation, ear ringing, arguments, nausea, fatigue, and weird dreams and sleep patterns. Okay, so this is 10 things. So are they suggesting that you're supposed to experience, you know, increased or decreased appetite, more headaches, more stomach aches, more body pains? Because if, that, if that's the case, oh my gosh, this is like me to a T. Right? I have developed food allergies. I have so many headaches. Back went out this month, or like this year for like a month. Oh, we're moving into a higher consciousness. Oh my gosh. Can it please come faster? <laughs> I don't know. That, that theory makes me uncomfortable. I feel like we're not ready as a species to move into a higher dimension. Mm, no, I agree. We need a lot of growing to do. Yeah. Okay, so that's that theory. My goodness, was that a theory? <laughs> Let's move on to the simulation theory. This already sounds so exciting. So some people <laughs> believe that the pure chaos of this year just further confirms the theory that we're living in a simulation. So basically, this theory states that we are just a hyper-realistic computer program being controlled by an unseen force. Things like the Mandela effect, which we will do a podcast on eventually. We have to. (laughs) And deja vu and even ghosts are credited as evidence to support this theory. So that's kind of supposed to be like glitches in the simulation. This has been going on for a long time. Like this theory has been out there Mm -hmm. for a number of years that I've known about it at least. And that must mean that it's been out there for a lot longer. (laughs) So I was doing research on this, and I think one of the old school philosophers posited this theory that what if he was just in a dream, and this was just all a dream, and that's kind of credited as the beginning of the simulation theory. So ever since then, we've like always thought maybe this was just made up, you know? Yeah. Which is scary. Very. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson says that it's possible. He is quoted as saying, If you have tremendous computing power, you could simulate every possible thing that could occur, including the neurosynaptic firings in the characters that you create. So in that sense, what is to stop you from thinking that the characters you created are themselves real? Now, if you have created this world and the world has built into it a kind of pseudo-free will, maybe those characters will say, I want to create a simulation. So they create a simulation within the simulations. Oh, existential (laughs) crisis. Oh my gosh. Step back from that and ask how many total simulations are there? How many total worlds are there out there? There is one real world and everything else is a simulation. Which are you more likely to be in? Oh my Lanta. Right? They're literally out here suggesting that there could be millions and millions of simulations. 
Elon Musk really believes oh, this good. theory as okay. well. He says, the odds that we are in base reality, which is the one that isn't a simulation, the only mm. one that isn't a simulation, mm. one in billions. That's scary. Right? I don't like that he said that. This is just too much. Right? <laughs> so these two supposedly very smart individuals seem to believe that the universe is just a simulation. That it's more probable that it's just a simulation. We need to do a whole theory, like a whole episode on this. There's so many different ways you can look at this. Yeah. So according to other researchers, the chances that we're in base reality versus a simulation is about 50-50. That's terrifying. That's not good odds. No. In either way, really. Wow. So it's really mind-blowing. Like, if you think about it, if humans advance one day far enough to create a simulation like this, eventually they'll just keep going. The people in the simulation will eventually get to the point of creating more. Wow. I don't even know what to say about this. It's wild. So the reason that this is a 2020 conspiracy is that the chaos of this year could have been caused by the simulation either being broken or by the programmer of the simulation becoming bored. Neither of those are fun things. No. So is the programmer of my simulation a character in someone else's simulation? It could be. Like, what if our programmer just becomes bored and he just, like, sets the world on fire just for fun? Okay, they're a terrible programmer. First of all, they just are awful. But to them, we're just a game. What if you break the game? Can you break the game? Can you break the game? How do you break the game? Some people break the game with the glitches in the Matrix. What if when you see a ghost, that's just a glitch? What if when you see a ghost, that's actually someone from the simulation that created you? (laughs) Oh, I don't like it. And like, the Mandela effect, somebody just didn't like the way that Berenstain Bears was spelled, so they changed it. That still gets to me! That one's so crazy! I'm gonna end this theory with a quote from one of my favorite book series by Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. I love it, it's so good. (laughs) He said, there is a theory which states that if anyone ever discovers exactly what the universe is for and why it is here, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. There's another theory which states that this has already happened. What if somebody discovered we're in a simulation and then now 2020 has just been the way it is because now it's even crazier because it has to be. That's that's okay. That's actually kind of brilliant. And um, we're going to, 2021 is going to have to attest to that theory. We'll figure it out. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Okay, wow, um, my mind is blown. We'll have to do a whole episode on that soon. I'm worried that if we, like, we'll have discovered that whatever Douglas Adams said, that this universe <laughs> is what it is for and why it's here because we're just a program and then everything will be bad in 2021 because we discovered things and then it has to replace but, itself. But if Douglas Adams discovered it, shouldn't he not exist anymore? Any trace of him would just disappear? Unless they're planting seeds because they want us to make it worse. Oh, okay, this is a wormhole. Like, how are we supposed to move on from that? Okay. Do not think about this on your own. No, discuss it with a friend. Yes, don't think about this by yourself. That was scary, and now we're going to move on to some of the really awesome things that happened this year, specifically (sighs) some scientific discoveries. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. (laughs) In April, scientists released that they had created a mutant enzyme that can eat through plastic bottles. Dang! So they actually found this enzyme previously, a few years ago, but they kind of like modified it, mutated it to become stronger and faster, I think. So this enzyme can convert 90% of plastic bottles into starting material to make new bottles. Previously, only 30% of plastic could be reused, and now it only takes 10 hours for the enzyme to work. 
This is excellent news. Right? Really, yeah. It could, like, dramatically reduce plastic waste. Yeah. Which is exciting. Good job, scientists. Yeah. So, every year, really, scientists discover, you know, a few hundred new types of new species, really. So they've also discovered this really fun thing that certain snakes can do. And I thought it was only fitting to include this one in here because we learned that snakes could, you know, swim previously. Right, in, in the Nessie episode. Exactly. So, there are certain types of snakes that can quote-unquote fly. What happens is snakes are round. Certain snakes have the ability to sort of flatten their torso into a type of triangular shape to make them more aerodynamic. So they can essentially glide from one tree to another. It's like swimming through air, which has always been a dream. Like <laughs> a nighttime dream that I always have where I'm just swimming through the air. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. So this reportedly happens really, really fast because it, from my understanding, they're sort of jumping, sort of like flying squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like that. However, it does arguably look like they're swimming because they're still moving their bodies through the air. Right, they're it's still just, wiggling. It's really cool. They're still wiggling. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. That's cool. Right? Could you imagine just like standing there minding your own business and all of a sudden a snake is flying <laughs> from the trees at you? <laughs> The next one we have is, in June, it was released that scientists have created artificial red blood cells. And this is the first time that they have created blood small enough that can actually go through your blood system. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting because this can be used to deliver tumor-killing medications and also carry biosensors. So instead of having to physically remove a tumor mm-hmm. through surgery, you can mm-hmm. just deliver medicine to it to kill it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And in mice so far, there's been no negative side effects reported, which is hey, super exciting. Good odds. I have another life fact that occurred life in 2020. <laughs> Engineer, I'm so sorry I'm going to pronounce your name wrong, Sridhar Ravi of the University of New South Wales, he discovered something really exciting about bees. Oh, I love bees. So, he argued that bees have the ability to understand their size. So, they have the ability to be aware of their size. Most people suspected that bees were just clumsy and clunky and kind of dumb. Cute. Honestly, so cute. Like pandas. What he ended up doing is he tested this. So, he set up um, a chamber and he ended up placing like a tube... I think it was a pretty long tube that had some obstacles and ended up getting smaller and smaller over time. And the bees, at some point, realized that they couldn't fit any further. And they realized how to maneuver their body around these obstacles in order to fit through. Which means they are consciously aware of their proportions and of their body size. That's so cool. Right? I've seen too many devastating things about bees. I needed to bring some light. Did you know that they can kill murder hornets by, like, encasing them? Or not the ones around here, because they don't know how, but the ones in, like, Asia. (laughs) They don't know how? Um, (laughs) They can, like, encase them in a ball. They just vibrate so fast that the the murder hornet dies. I did not know that. Dang, bees. (laughs) That's next level. The next one I have is robotic dolphins. So in July, a video of a robotic dolphin was released. It's basically indistinguishable from a real dolphin. Like, I couldn't tell the difference. Oh, wow. So it's pretty expensive. It's around $26 million. 
But it could replace, like, real animals at SeaWorld and in aquariums. Mm -hmm. Like, specifically larger animals like octopi and sharks and lake dolphins. Things that shouldn't be in aquariums in any circumstance. Unless they're in, like, rehabilitation programs, I guess. It also leads thoughts and ideas of perhaps replacing animals in zoos as well. Which would be super awesome. Yeah. Like, I love going to see the cool animals, but I always feel guilty about it, so I never really want to, Mm -hmm. you know? I always have to make sure that the place that I'm going to has a a very ethical policy. Yeah. They're only rehabilitation animals or stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe, eventually, there could be robot dinosaurs, and they could create, like, a Jurassic Park, but with, like, robot dinosaurs instead of, like, genetically altered dinosaurs. That's really exciting, actually. (laughs) That would be so cool. Because then you could, like, shut them off with a switch and then it's a robot so it's not morally gray. As long as, you know, robots don't ever gain consciousness, we'll be fine. So, on to electricity for me. In October, the first room temperature superconductor was discovered. I don't know what that means. I don't really know what that means either, (laughs) but it was really exciting. (laughs) My understanding of this is... The benefits that this has is, you know how you have specific electrical power lines? Yeah. They have to be preserved and maintained and looked after, and they're very particular because they get so hot. Ridiculously hot. So this discovery opens the door for what they're calling low-loss power lines. Essentially, it opens a ton of doors for how power can be distributed and contained, and it just is a really exciting discovery, and it looks super cool if you look it up. There's only, apparently, one negative to this. You have to use a diamond anvil cell and extremely high pressures of around 270 gigapascals, which is more than two times that of the Earth's atmosphere. That's a lot. It squeezes carbon, sulfur, and hydrogen. So those two things together, the diamond anvil and the lots of gigapascals, squeeze together carbon, sulfur, and hydrogen to create this super conductor. That's neat. Here's a super awesome one that I was really excited to hear about. Mm, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So in October, a massive coral reef, 500 meters tall and 1.5 kilometers at the base, was discovered near the Great Barrier Reef. So this is taller than the Empire State Building. (sighs) This is so good to hear. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? It reached up to just below the surface. So it's the first new coral reef discovery in the area in 120 years. But it's exciting. It's so big. Oh, that makes me so happy. And I think especially because there's been some, like, there's a lot of pollution and there's a lot of, there's some bad stuff going on there. Yeah. It's such like a tourist hotspot that everybody Mm -hmm. just goes there and they don't wear the right sunscreen and then they (sighs) do things. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Hawaii, quote unquote, banned sunscreen. As in, you need to wear reef safe sunscreen because there are reefs literally around the whole island. That's good. Right? Yeah. Yes. That should have been in place the entire time. I know. I'm going to talk about something that I don't know very much about because it's so cool and everyone needs to have the tools to look it up. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) This really came to light in November. There was an announcement that they've discovered phosphine on Venus. So this is, quote-unquote, a toxic gas in the atmosphere of Venus. In apparently many cases, this phosphine gas can be an indicator that there's life existing in that area. Also, that it can't exist without life in that area. That's wild. Right? And it's still puzzling. They don't have any explanation as to why it's there. 
specifically because our understanding of it right now is that it has to have either a giant planet to produce it, like a huge, huge planet, or life. Right, so it's found on Jupiter because Jupiter is like a really big planet. Huge! Yeah. But it could be found on Venus because maybe Venus has had life or currently has life. Currently has life. That's scary. Someone suggests that it's produced by... Do you want to see how it's spelled? Sure. Venusians. Venusians. Oh, like Venus Martians? Yeah. What if the Venusians put the monoliths on planet Earth? They could have. They could have gone, you have discovered our presence, now discover it more. I love that. That's really cool, though. (laughs) Our last discovery is lab-grown meat, also known as cultured meat. Which sounds gross. It does, but it is pretty exciting. Yes. (laughs) So in December, lab-grown meat was approved for sale for the first time. So this meat was created using live chicken cells and nutrients from plants. So it's actual, like, meat. It's not, like, fake plant meat. It's Mm -hmm. just meat, which is pretty neat. So this was approved specifically in Singapore so far. That's pretty exciting. Because of high production costs, the meat is more expensive, but it's probably healthier than most meat, and it's definitely more, like, ethically sound, right? Yeah, so there's arguments that it's ethically better, obviously, (laughs) Um, and that there are some ecological benefits to it as well. Like, I think specifically in regards to greenhouse gases and waste emitted from farming and... Right. This is a super positive alternative. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. There's even lab-grown fish that they're creating. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So that'll be really cool. Originally, I got really lost in the science part of 2020 because there's so many interesting things that have happened. So many new discoveries on the earth, in the water, in the atmosphere and outer space. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, this year has been bad for a lot of reasons, but there's also a lot of good. Absolutely. Some more good things that happened this year is that more animals have been adopted since humans... Humans? People. (laughs) Humans. Since people have more time at home. I love that. Yeah. That's such a good fact. There's also been a lot more time for hobbies. I myself have taken up multiple hobbies and dropped them just as quickly, but I'm having a really good time doing it. All that matters. (laughs) There's been an overwhelmingly amount of positives that have happened to the environment. People were able to see Mount Fuji. Oh, that's so exciting. Because the emissions and the gross stuff in the air dissipated enough because people were staying home. That you could actually see it. That's so cool. Right? Yeah. Exciting that the U.S. now has its first woman, but specifically woman of color, as vice president, Kamala Harris. Also, there have been two new Taylor Swift albums. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about this. I love them so much. It's been a hard year for everyone, and we've had to confront some pretty mind-blowing events. (laughs) And that's no small task, so give yourself a pat on the back, because it's been a rough year. This year will be different. It has to be different. Yes, it will be different. Maybe not better, but it will be different. (laughs) Here's to a new year. Happy New Year. Here's to 2021. Happy New Year. We should cheers on that note. Cheers. We're not done. Stick around. No, no, no. (laughs) It's not the end here. (laughs) No, we still gotta thank you for listening to Weird Things in Mine. You know? Here's a big thanks to you for joining us for this installment. We hope you continue to listen to us throughout 2021, and we look forward to bringing you some fantastic new topics this year. Yes. I'm excited. Me too. (laughs) New year, new topics. Thank you for listening to Weird Things in Wine. We hope you enjoyed. Yes, as always. Stay weird. Drink wine. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.
Stick around for some bloopers and outtakes. That's cute. Bloopers. <laughs> Bloopies. <laughs> okay. Bloopies. <laughs> Why do you sound so relaxing? Sounds like a little bear. Little bear. Oh, look at the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I smell popcorn. I don't smell any popcorn. It's probably just the cookies. I did put salt in them. The recipe the called for salt. smell like popcorn? Yeah, you put salt what? on popcorn. Microwave juice? Ew! That's it. <laughs> Microwave juice? Microwave juice is like condensation that's then seeped into the stuff. Yeah, but when you describe it like that, that's disgusting. It's <laughs> such a weird thing to have. What do you mean? It's Rice weird. and peas? Yeah, together. You mix it together. Yeah, but then you put like soy sauce on it. But why? To make so it, it stick? So it tastes good? <laughs> I don't know, so you're not just eating rice and peas? <laughs> but it, like, tastes, it tastes fine. It tastes fine, but it doesn't taste good. <laughs> I'd argue that it doesn't taste fine, but you do you. <laughs> I smell the popcorn. Hold on, I actually smell popcorn now. <laughs> I don't know, why does it smell like popcorn in here? How does atmosphere work? Atmosphere? <laughs> Atmosphere works when there's, like, um... Enough gravity on the planet itself to create a boundary? I went into that so confidently and then failed, and then you, like, picked it up. Good job. Does that make sense? That oh does, gosh. like, make sense, kind of. I mean, I don't know things, but from my, like, limited Same. knowledge, <laughs> makes sense. Maybe I haven't heard of this Chicago Mothman. Is I've... he different than the other Mothman? I mean, he's in a different place. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Showing confirmed UFOs. <laughs> but I did most of these notes at like 3 a.m. So. Yeah, it shows. No, I'm kidding. They're yeah. still fantastic. Murder. 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 <laughs> Sorry, okay. I smell popcorn again and I was wondering if it was my nail polish. It's not. I don't know why it smells like popcorn. <laughs> the age of Pisces. It was 2,000 years? That means I'm not even going to be alive when my age comes. <laughs> what the heck is this ripoff? Oh, 200 years. Okay. Okay, that's... Well, I'm still not going to be alive. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Elon Musk. He's a very interesting dude. I think he's a supervillain. It kind of seems like it. <laughs> I don't know if he's like one of those fun supervillains like Megamind or one of those really bad supervillains like, I don't know, the Joker. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I'm 5'2". Why does that sound like a lie? Because <laughs> it was. <laughs> what if our programmer is eating popcorn and watching his podcast? <laughs> but then what? Are we in two different simulations right now? Is that why we don't smell popcorn at the exact same time? Ew! Oh my gosh! Because you smell it, and then like five minutes later, I'll smell it? Ew, okay. I genuinely hate that. I feel so alone right now. <laughs> I'm in my own simulation, literally by myself, because you're not even here. You smell popcorn at a different time. What a this is awful. <laughs> Hopefully we brought some positivity. Positivity? <laughs> Positivity. Positivity. <laughs> <laughs>